0: Alright, the long wait is over. Almost. It it, it it doesn't feel like summer anymore. It really doesn't. No, cold. Yeah. I gotta get to my raking of the leaves mm. real soon. They're starting to 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 accumulate on my lawn. Uh, it's neighbors the, across the street have wrangled my kid into raking their leaves. He's at hold, that hold age on, where... what? they yeah. wrangled well, your kid into well, raking their because leaves? Because he's at
1: that age where it's like, oh, oh he a thing it. is fun. Oh, great. Oh, okay. you want to come play with the rake, bud? <laughs> <laughs> I, what do I care?
0: He's invested in something that's not me taking care of him, so it's great. But. At, at my house, I actually have a set of children's, like, brooms and mops because yep. there was, like, a week where they were like, this is fun, and then they realized, oh, this is no longer fun, so now it's just, it's collecting dust. Uh We've got him sweeping, but that also
1: uh, includes him just like running around with the broom, spreading crumbs everywhere. Right. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. yeah. No, it's awesome.
0: Messing up my nice pile yeah. of, of, of dirt. Of dirt. But yeah. I definitely sweep up all the
1: time because I'm so helpful around the house.
0: Yeah. Okay. We'll just leave that alone. All right. Very good. <laughs> uh, a triple header of NHL games. To get your palate wet tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, the middle game is the pièce de résistance. As you got Connor Bedard in Pittsburgh to play the Penguins, but the Tampa Bay Lightning also get their season underway to start this triple header at 5:30. All games on Sportsnet, by the way. 5:30, 8 o'clock, and then 10:30 wrapped up by Kraken and Golden Knights. The Lightning don't have Andre Vasilevsky for at least a couple of months to start the season. Their goaltending tandem unproven. To say the very least, and we know that the regular season is so meaningless for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there's very little that can be accomplished, or very little, I would say, that can impact your belief or lack of belief that they can do anything in the postseason. But my God, <laughs> if there ever there was a season to at least like try out what it looks like to win the Atlantic Division, yeah. it would be this season with a decimated Bruins team and on a Lightning team that has their captain upset and without their best player for two months. Yeah, uh, I'll just say it now.
1: Um, you're going to finish in the number one seed if that's going to happen. And you are 1000% going to have a date with the Lightning or getting Vashlevsky back and rolling, or, or, or yeah, right. from a story perspective. Uh, Kyle Dubas and his Penguins who snuck into one of those wild card spots very, very much in the cards. So there are no unsexy playoff matchups in the East. I mean, it's either going to be one of these young upstart Atlantic teams pushing themselves in whatever it's going to be. It's sexy. But you nailed it. You look at this division and, you know, I think a lot of us, myself included, have been dying to write off Boston forever. Okay, Mm. they're so old. They're so old. How can they do it? Ding dong, the witch is actually dead. Zdeno Chara, no longer there. Patrice Bergeron, no longer there. I know, Brad Marchand, still there. I don't know that him and Pasta alone kind of carry the weight or able to carry the expectations there. Obviously, we've laid out everything with Tampa. I think one of those Atlantic division teams is going to surprise. And by that, I mean, Ottawa or Buffalo. I don't think it's quite to the devil's extent where all of a sudden they are a top five team in the NHL. But I think that one of those teams is going to push for the division title. But... There's no reason the Leafs shouldn't be able to come out a- ahead of them. The one other thing I will say about the regular season, and I think we'll pretty quickly move on from this, but we did the thing all last year. Of this is a different Leafs team, mm. more bought in responsibly defensively, this is actually a very different group of guys than mm. the end of the season last year. So I think there is something. If If the team comes out and they look solid and they look good and it's good defensively, I think we'll pretty quickly say, okay, continuation from last year. But I think there is a lot. Up, not up in the air, because I think it's questionable how they'll perform, but I think there is still a lot to be proven from this Leafs iteration.
0: No, it's a great point, because I think, yeah, outside of this market, people who just peripherally understand what the Toronto Maple Leafs are, and certainly look at the top four uh, salary cap uh, getters. Yeah. Uh, oh, that high-powered fo- Leafs. Right, <laughs> like that they, they can't protect the lead, and every game is 6-5, is that's how they try to win hockey games, when in reality it hasn't been the case the last mm-hmm. three years. But you look at some of the players that have been sent out, and you look at some of the additions, and like John Klingberg being the biggest yes. addition on the blue line, Mister All Offense No Defense from a, a defenseman perspective, mm-hmm. and Max Domi being a one-way player, yep. and Tyler Bertuzzi on the top. Like there, are, there's like it could work, and and certainly when it gets to the postseason, again perception-wise, it's Leafs can't protect leads and they give up goals. It's they haven't been able to score in the postseason, yep. so you address that need. But you're right, like there could be a season where, or at least chunks of the season. Mm-hmm. And we know how different this team is probably going to look after the trade deadline. But there's an, a non-zero possibility that we look at a very different stylistic Maple Leafs team here. Totally. I think I think one other thing that it got overstated.
1: So I think we've gone too much the other way now that we haven't even mentioned his name yet today. It cannot be overstated how exciting it is they Fraser Frazier Minton mm-hmm. made this team and who knows how long it's for. Who right. knows if it's nine games, if it's the 41, they keep in mind, maybe it's one and they go, okay, that was great. Uh, get your butt <laughs> back to Kamloops. I think is where, where he
0: plays in the, in the dub there. So technically Easton Cowan made the team as well. But oh, that's, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. He hasn't been sent down because they, they want to get to the, the upper threshold of the salary
1: cap, but it cannot be overstated. How exciting that is from a fan base perspective. We have sat here talking about Nick Robertson potentially making this team for what feels like, Mm -hmm. I know it can't be the case because he's only 22 years old, but for a decade. This is the year he's going to break through. And a kid just came in. Now, part of this is he's 6'2". Part of this is he plays center. A kid just came in and forced the team's hand to the point where they traded away I don't want to overstate what the piece is, but a roster piece in Sam Lafferty to make sure they could put him on this roster. They forced, Frazier Minton, and maybe we'll dive into this thinking more with Brad living. forced this team's hand of where William Nylander is going to play in this lineup potentially this season. So I don't think it can be, the hype got a little overstated at one point building last week, but I don't think it can be overstated today how exciting it is that 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 kid did that in camp.
0: How must Nick Robertson be feeling? Because I I know it's, it's easy. Easy to think about the disappointment of him at the National Hockey League level, but last preseason he was he earned his way onto that Leafs team to start the year, but because of the waivers exempt Mm -hmm. status of his contract, did not make the team out of camp. The Maple Leafs could have easily not had Fraser Minton centering a third line tomorrow against the Montreal Canadiens, but maybe there is a change in philosophy here when it comes to different general managers. Again, we'll talk to Brad Bradshaw Living after 8.30 as well, that this is maybe more of a meritocracy than it's been in previous years. There was roster management, and I I understand the the arguments for both sides, but Mm -hmm. yeah, remember... Nick Robertson and and the conversation surrounding him last preseason and then the disappointment he must have felt in not making that team out of camp last year. Yeah, and there were, I mean,
1: you know, we're, we're pointing at Frazier Minton being the reason. They could have just not signed
0: Ryan Reeves and
1: well. Nick Robertson could have made this team. So, you know, there are other ways they could have gone about it. I think it's a good point to bring up. The thing with Robertson is that, and this is what a lot of the buzz surrounding Minton was about, is that. There is a very particular piece in the puzzle that Robertson fits in. It's top six. If your third line isn't a checking line, maybe it's top nine. Ideally, you'd love to have a spot on the power play for him. And just, again, this team isn't the, you know, 80s Oilers, like some people think of them as, but it is still pretty hard to crack the Leafs top six. It is still pretty hard to crack the Leafs power play. So there's just not the obvious fit. And everything with Minton is that, yeah, they hope he can find some chemistry with Nyes, like he had showed in the preseason. But even if Mm -hmm. he can just kind of play a north-south, I don't want to say punt, because I don't think you call a kid up from the WHL to have him be a punt player, but... Effectively, just a nothing happens out there line that can be in the cards for him as well. He could get bumped down to a fourth line left wing spot, and you know I don't know how much that helps his development. I don't know how much that matters right now for this team, but I think that's the difference there. And it's frustrating for Robertson, but them's the breaks when you're five nine and you're there because you shoot. Now the thing we're talking about
0: six two. The the, the Fraser brother. If he was his
1: brother, just (laughs) just have him be the same size as his brother, and we're not even having this conversation.
0: Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, it really he, is. He can't control that. But no, nah, uh, Fraser Menton has earned as he's tried. <laughs> <laughs> Fraser Manton has earned his way onto this Leafs team with his performance in the preseason. Uh, he played six of the eight games. The Maple Leafs played <laughs> gas, including <laughs> he's Saturday. You gotta give him a blow. In in Detroit, and he will be in the lineup tomorrow when the Leafs open up against the Montreal Canadiens. Penguins mentioned the marquee game of the day as they host Connor Bedard and the Chicago Blackhawks. I wonder how. The Penguins are going to be viewed by Leaf fans this season mm-hmm. uh, with the Kyle Dubas of it all. Yep. I, I think just in a general sense, that's an intriguing team, obviously, with the the like time running out on the all-time players that they have, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and them missing the playoffs by a single point a season ago because they lost to the Chicago freaking Blackhawks <laughs> in game 81. It's funny that that's their season really opening matchup. I mean, and and their loss, the the benefit to a Florida Panthers team that made it all the way to a Stanley Cup final. But they go out and get Eric Carlson. They're they're doubling down on the last couple of years of, again, two future Hall of Famers in the lineup. And Kyle Dubas exits a team that he helped form on the come-up and joins a team that is very much in the very right now. I I wonder if there's going to be at the end of the season if we're going to look at the ratings from from different regions mm-hmm. and like wow the penguins with their addition of eric carlson really saw a ratings spike and so much of that is going to come out of the city of Toronto. Like, is there going to be a hate watch component to the Penguins in the city of Toronto? Are people rooting for Kyle Dubas? It'd be interesting to see how that pans out this season. I I think yes and no
1: to all questions. I mean, we know Kyle Dubas is arguably... Sometimes people throw around the word polarizing when they just mean hated. Like, you'll hear that a lot with Ross right. Atkins. A oh, polarizing figure in Toronto. <laughs> no, everybody's on nope. one pole just, there. They're, it is uh, north, south, don't know which direction's which, but they're all hanging out on one end. Kyle Dubas was a polarizing figure, and I think there are people who changed their opinion on him. I think people probably found their way more to the middle as, as, as his tenure here evolved, but I think people were kind of firmly in one camp or another. But I think that the interesting part of this is that, you know, let's just call it a pro-Dubas camp and an anti-Dubas camp. I think everybody loves Sidney Crosby, but I think the guys in the anti-Dubas camp, they really love Sidney Crosby. Right. All the things they oh, yeah. feel about hockey. He is
0: the personification of oh, they're, it. They're in a tough place then and
1: it's it's a no win I mean either (laughs) Sid because I don't think there's a person who follows this game outside of Philadelphia that would not love to see Sidney Crosby get one more ring or at least another great run where he gets to be that serial winner Babcock always called him I don't think anybody would not want to see that but there are going to be a lot of people who would love nothing more than Kyle Dubas to be the reason Mm -hmm. that Sidney Crosby failed and couldn't get it done at the end I think there's also a lot of people who are rooting to be able to say, "Ah, I told you he was the right GM. Look what he did. Mm -hmm. But guess what? If he goes and wins in Pittsburgh, oh, he won with Crosby. That's Mm -hmm. very different than winning with Austin Matthews and John Tavares. The, It is in my mind's eye a Rorschach test for how you see the world, how you see the game of hockey, is your opinion and what you kind of take out of out of that Penguins team because it's fascinating.
0: You're absolutely right. Like there's a scenario in June where Sidney Crosby's hoisting the Stanley Cup over his head, and people are saying, "Look, Kyle Dubas just needed another kick at the can; he was eventually going to get it done." And there's going to be another sect of of fans who said, "Yeah, of course he's obviously. Yeah, (laughs) uh, he leaves the, the the team with nothing but playoffs." disappointment like the the players that he had in toronto none of them had a modicum of a postseason success outside of ryan o'reilly who decided immediately he's got get the hell out of of here (laughs) and he joins the team with a bunch of cup winners and and wins the stanley cup you're you're absolutely right there's a couple of really really spicy narratives and secondarily to that i mean if the leafs go out and win a stanley cup this season, after signing oh, Ryan God. Reeves to a three-year extension, Bertuzzi. going out and getting Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi, and and going counter to a little bit of what they've been building under under Kyle mm-hmm. Dubas, there's a lot on the line for both Brad for Living and Kyle Dubas this the, season. Forget, I know this is sacrilege
1: for me to say it. Forget the lease for half a second. How many times have we heard? you need a number one shutdown stud. Mm -hmm. And if the Penguins go win a Stanley Cup with Chris Letang and Eric Carlson (laughs) on the ice for 46 minutes a night, because I highly doubt they're playing together. Yeah. What does that do for our bully? And the argument is, well, they're both Norris winners. They're both very good. But that's not what people talk about. They talk about your headman, your Ekblad, whatever, whoever else you want to put in that conversation when they talk about a shutdown defenseman. That's the other part of it that will be so fascinating is as much as the Penguins are a, you know, a much more kind of like old school built team. They have a much more balanced offense because of the two centers they've got there. They went out and added Eric Carlson to this mm-hmm. team, the ultimate offense only. And the thing that I think is going to be really interesting about that part of it is that, you know, you hear people who have, or you, you hear people who have covered him in San Jose going back to Ottawa as well. The idea that, look, he's a great player, but there's a way your team has to play. It doesn't have to be totally structured around Carlson, but you have to let him freelance. You have to put him in positions to do what he wants to do. And, you know, if anybody can make that work, it's that leadership group there. But I feel like they have a pretty uh, certain understanding of the way they do things there, not just because of Crosby, but think how long Mike Sullivan's been behind the bench. So I I cannot get my eyes on that team enough, especially early on in the year.
0: Uh, And all focus will be on them in this market today because there's no Leaf game until tomorrow. For shame. Uh, Tomorrow they play the Montreal Canadiens. Again, on Sportsnet today... Triple header, though, uh, Connor Bedard making his debut against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, time now for something to chew on, brought to you by Great Canadian Meets. And the Arizona Diamondbacks wrapped up their regular season with four consecutive losses. They were the last team into the playoffs in the National League as the sixth uh, team and the third wild card. And they find themselves up uh, two games to none against a 100 win Los Angeles Dodgers team. On the strength of some former Blue Jays, yesterday was Lourdes Gurriel Jr. coming up with a couple of hits, including a pretty clutch two-out RBI single up the yep. middle of 100 miles an hour. Uh, in game one, it was Gabriel Moreno. Here's your something to chew on. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a winning percentage over 600 this season with Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Moreno in the lineup and a winning percentage under 400 when he's not in the lineup. He's back after the head injury And he didn't come up with a hit yesterday, but came up with an RBI ground out. It's, I mean, you want to talk about narratives surrounding Kyle Dubas? What are the narratives going to be in this city after Ross Atkins' disastrous press conference on Saturday if the Diamondbacks, well, I mean, win this series, they got to be like plus 80% Mm -hmm. chance now in a five, best out of five, to be up two games to none after winning two games on the road to win this series. If they win this series, end up, going deep, I mean, they're already deeper Mm -hmm. than the Blue Jays have been, but end up in a World Series, maybe winning the whole thing, and those two guys are at the helm of this. What on earth are you going to talk about? What on earth is there to, to, to take away as far as positives from the Blue Jays' past season, If oh, those guys are instrumental in, in bringing success to the Diamondbacks. I, you said positive. I was just
1: going to say it's just pain. That's the takeaway. Just a lot of pain in your heart, in your head, wherever these things reside. And the other part of it is you'd maybe feel a little differently about it if that was their record with Lord Escurial Jr. in the lineup because you can do funny things of, ah, he's a left fielder. What's it? He's the catcher. Obviously, he has an outsized impact on the way his team performs. It is not just about his bat. And, you know, watching these games, reading some of the stuff coming out of Arizona, just the way people are talking about him, it has that, you know, I don't want to overstate this. I'm not saying he's going to become Mike Trout or Buster Posey or anything like that. But there's that little glint of, yeah, there's something special here. This guy's different. Everything you're reading. And not that we didn't hear that here, but there's one thing to hear about it from a guy Who's this unknown? A prospect. It's another thing for major leaguers to be saying these things. Guys who have been through it a million times. I mean, their manager, there, Lavelle. Look at all the ups or look at all the things he's been through in his career, and he sees it. So former Blue Jay as yeah, well, oh, That's Lavelle. right. Now this isn't quite trading away World Series MVP Steve Pierce, but I don't know. Maybe it maybe it will be if he uh, keeps it up.
0: Yeah, and that one, you, <laughs> you understand, It's <laughs> a little it different. different. Yeah, and they they did get Santiago Espinal in that trade, by the way. Um, and and I, who won it? Who can say? Yeah, it's it's hard to say, but it is. I mean, I've I've star that you have a Buster Posey you have an Adley Rutschman you have a catcher who provides you both defensive value and is an upper echelon offensive player that that's that is the cornerstone Mm -hmm. of a championship style team who knows maybe it, it all blows up uh going forward for the Diamondbacks they're up two games to none on a Dodgers team that has a World Series in this in this generation as well. It was one of the most bizarre World Series championships, obviously. And they all count, right? Look, we had to do that when we were living through it. We're like, I know it's weird circumstances mm-hmm. and the fans and the crowd and the COVID of all, but, you know, it's, it's as close to normal as we can get it and we have to view it in a normal way. But if that's the one championship you've won after winning 100 games mm-hmm. each and every season and each and every postseason when you get there, not only do you lose, you like lose in embarrassing fashion, by which I mean like mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw giving up six earned runs and getting one out, yeah. and and your first two starters getting combined six outs <laughs> in the first two games <laughs> of the series, and Mookie Betts being this elite elite player, but like I think being two for his last forty yeah, it's in the postseason. Good. It's not good. How, how are we not painting the the Dodgers as this perennial choker? It's so funny with all
1: the different titles the COVID titles I feel very differently about them the lightning stamped at home there's counts yeah Uh, the Dodgers choke all the time so it doesn't I will say I'm sure you saw it as well uh, just videos going around Instagram Twitter wherever you find them of uh, bleep at Clayton Kershaw highlights and it's just ball after ball socked to the moon and You'd have to have the video be 15 minutes long to get every hit he's given up in the postseason. It is ridiculous Dude, the way I, he gets. And it doesn't. Shelled.
0: It doesn't mean that like every start is horrible. But when your ERA in the postseason is four and a half and your career ERA in the regular season is under three, like that's undeniable. And
1: especially when they've done the thing in the past of you know what we're going to bring him in out of the pen because right. nothing could go wrong here. Mom to the moon. It's nuts. Uh, the Lakers won. You know I just want to give LeBron the title so I wouldn't take anything away from him there. I feel very differently about all the different COVID ones, but I definitively. Can say now that the Dodgers continue to look like this, yeah. I, I we got to give it an asterisk, it's a half, it's a they get to have like the dollar store version mm-hmm. of the commissioner's trophy. It should be a hunk of plastic, not a hunk of metal, <laughs> uh, according to Rob Manfred. So I don't know how you can look at it another way. And then how can it not sting when you have a guy who's there? And again, it's you know, it's just pure dumb luck, but I flick the game over, and the second. I flick it over, you hear the crack of the bat and see Gurriel drive, driving in a run because, of course, why wouldn't that happen?
0: There were real conversations being had leading into yesterday's game about maybe a, a requiring um, a format change, Major League Baseball in the postseason, considering some of the success that these wildcard teams have been Both having. same deal. Yeah, the, 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 the Orioles are down two games to none, going to, to Texas, trying to keep their season alive. We, we talked... I think before the postseason Mm -hmm. and looks pressing it now about how that O's team has no postseason experience and and no closer, no closer in the (laughs) starting pitching is is, uh, an issue. And it has been against a very potent Rangers lineup. uh, And it was like, it was going to be a main main talking point out of major league baseball in general. If the Phillies continued to do what they were doing through half of that game, keeping the Braves to not only, no runs but like mm-hmm. no hits and this being the best braves team um maybe in recent vintage and certainly the best offense Definitely. in the national league if not all of major league baseball and not being able to score a run instead they come up with i mean the the most exciting moment actually two of the most exciting moments because the the austin riley home run in the the bottom of the eighth inning. Awesome. I, I can't imagine anything more fun than hitting a postseason home run to give your team the lead and then immediately fireworks going up as you're rounding the bases. It look cool. And then to win a game in the ninth inning on a walk off double play eight five three, which has never actually happened, that that combination <laughs> double play in, in in major league postseason history. <laughs> To, to win it in that fashion is about as, as exciting a way as, as you can win a postseason game.
1: Yeah, if, in case anybody missed it last night, Harper's on first for for the Phillies there. I forget who it was who was at the plate. And the ball was leashed to deep center field, a little bit to the right. And Michael, uh, uh totally, uh, I was about to call Michael, Michael Harris. Michael Harris, not Michael A. Taylor. Still burned in my brain because mm-hmm. he made about four catches that looked, I don't know, about 70%. As good as that, if I'm being perfectly honest, that was an incredible play the ability to get the ball back in it was riley who actually threw him out to to your point is just that's incredible stuff that's what the postseason's supposed to be all about and man lord knows we have seen the opposite side of it here a million times but that was awesome for those people in atlanta
0: and i am i'm glad we don't have to have the conversation about having you know so there's five days off that these teams who do not participate in the wild card round have. It's a lot it's more than they get ever even at the all-star <laughs> break. So the, the Major League Baseball players, maybe more than any other professional athlete, are creatures of habit. And and you it's th- them and golfers are honestly the only two I can think of. I mean, we, we've heard the stories about Kevin Gossman and the, re, the routine he has between starts. Um, ask any Major League Baseball player that to get through 162 games at their best— mm-hmm they need to have certain things that they go through and they have to have certain routines that they go through each and every day. And it's good to get healthy. It's good to have a day off, maybe even two. But when you're talking about five days, the rust versus rest conversation, it's real. And it was manifesting itself in results. So as much as I'm kind of rooting for the Phillies because that's such a fun, exciting team, I was was fearful that the narrative was going to be that this playoff format is unfair because i think there's a legitimate argument to it thank god that the that the phillies bullpen blew that game and the braves you know playing 162 games playing more games double the amount of games as any other professional sport has some impact that that is not just wiped away i understand the playoffs is more of a crapshoot than you would like after playing again every single day for six months but yeah, the the Braves going out in the first round meekly. The Orioles going out in the first round meekly. The Dodgers going out in the first round meekly. The Astros less so because, one, their series is tied up at ones. And, two, I think anybody that watched that Astros team understands it's a diminished version of the one that won the World Series yep. a year ago. But, yeah, if we were talking about all those three teams getting blown out of the, the playoffs in, in their first opportunities after five days off, I think there's a legitimate conversation about – How do we fix this thing? Because, yes, there is an advantage to Mm -hmm. having your rotation set up and your players fully healthy if they were – nursing some nicks and bruises at the end of the season, it does not outweigh the idea of losing your timing, of having this weirdo stretch of off days that you, you as a major league baseball creature of habit, habit have not had for six months.
1: Yeah, it's timing. It's the most It's the most timing-dependent sport. It is, you know, we've all seen the sports science thing of how it is literally the hardest thing in sports to do to hit a baseball. If you blink, you can't do it. That's how hard it is. So, yes, the idea that these teams, but I also think to the point we've laid out, the Orioles, no, not to pat myself on the back, mm-hmm. we, we said this could happen. I said it would happen, that mm-hmm. it's a young team. They got bad pitching. They got no closer. Okay, that one, maybe it's the layoff. Maybe it's just not their year. Maybe they should have pushed some chips in at the deadline while they had a young and inexpensive team. The Dodgers, perennial chokers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They might have choked if they had two months off. They might have choked if they had two minutes off and they had burned all their starters. So I think the Braves are the one team that maybe would have made you feel differently about it because yeah. of the pure machine that they are. But... The Phillies
0: team was in the World Series this season That's I was going to
1: say. And I know we don't always do this in baseball, but... Those Phillies teams are just winners. They find a way. They know mm-hmm. how. And they're a really good team with great starting pitching. So I I totally see the point you're making. And I'm happy we don't have to have that conversation because I think you can look at all of those series and kind of explain it. Young team, chokers,
0: tied, <laughs> tied. <laughs> yeah, that was a great point. Yeah, the Braves... Uh, are a juggernaut, though, and that would have been shocking to see them lose the first two games I at wish home. that was the World Series. I know that's not how it works, yeah. and I could
1: just decide. That could just be my personal It does personal feel like World a de, de facto
0: de facto uh, National League Championship Series. No offense to, to Gabby Moreno and Lourdes Guriel <laughs> and, and Corbin Carroll. They, and they do Diamond not. I gotta
1: say, they decidedly do not feel like yeah. the, like a World Series when I'm watching the Diamondbacks. And that has nothing to do with them. It's just those what unis. Hell? And also Corbin Carroll. Grow an inch or two. He's too short. It (laughs) shocks me every time. I think of these baseball players. Maybe I'm just in the AL East and it's, oh, there's big hulking Aaron Judge and and Giancarlo Stanton, who's not good anymore, but he's still very tall. And every time I see Corbin Carroll step up to the plate, I am, I should stop being shocked because I see it all the time now, Mm -hmm. but I am floored every time I see how small he is. And I don't even think he's like an absurdly small
0: baseball player, but he looks tiny. Speaking of the American League East, still looking for its first postseason victory. Blue Jays 0 for 2. Okay, does Rays it 0 for 2? And now the Orioles down 0-2 in their series against the Rangers. Does it change the feeling? Like, I know playoffs crapshoot, and we've kind of explained it, all the yeah. stuff.
1: And Rays were hurt. Does it change your opinion on this season much?
0: Or at all? I mean, maybe going forward, that the idea that, you know, the, the rest of baseball is such a joke. I think I think well, if, if you're we a do fan. Need to stop that. Well, if you're a fan of Well, specifically, I guess an American League West team, because you you, you had two teams into the postseason and a third team just may just miss it. And yeah, you got the Astros as the defending champions and at least have a victory and are going to Minnesota. And I think still as the favorites to win the series and the Rangers up to nothing on that Orioles team. You're not having the conversation about the American League East next season, even if they end up you know, racking up 10 more wins than the American League West winner as this dominant force. And, you know, what? I guess you can do it if you're a fan of a American League Central team as well. Because not only did the Twins sweep away yeah. the Blue Jays, they did pick up a victory. Man, Pablo you Lopez looks so good. You could do it, you can do so it if good. you're a
1: fan of the Twins. I don't want to hear the White Sox poking their head up about, oh, this, this, this Central's tougher than you think. Mm-hmm. No, it is not. Mm-hmm. It stinks. Maybe the, Tw- the Twins might be good. But that division, I can
0: confirm, stinks. Yes, Yeah. it's yeah. not Hard to argue. Can't confirm. Everybody else finishing below 500. All right. When we come back, all eyes on the Toronto Blue Jays on Thursdays. Mark Shapiro is going to step to the podium. Got to figure it's going to be better than what they put forth on Saturday with Ross Atkins. Hard to be worse. Really is. Shai Davidi, no doubt, is going to be there on Thursday. He was there on Saturday. He joins us next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show
1: on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 4759 of the fan bananas, Brent Gunning, Mark Shapiro, Blue Jays team president, gonna speak on Thursday and try to fix this mess. That was a mess after Wednesday's loss to the Minnesota Twins. It got messier on Saturday when Ross Atkins said, No, as all, John Schneider is acting on, on his own accord. He has final say. I was surprised he made the moves that he did, including removing a dealing Jose Barrios after allowing a leadoff walk in the fourth inning of a must win game. And he brought in a lefty reliever who ends up being a lefty starter who Mm -hmm. has an ERA approaching five in his career as a reliever and had an ERA over five (laughs) in the last month of the regular season. I like you was surprised. (sighs) So he's going to try and put the pieces together on Thursday. And there's a feeling within this city, Brent, because even as disappointing as the season was, and it, even as directly a line you can point to the decision-making of the front office and the re- both the regular season uh, failures, I mean, 89 wins was, you know, they got into the playoffs, but clearly not what this team had designs of doing when they were World Series favorites and expected to c- compete at the top of the American League East during the regular season. Even with the straight line of... Hey, you gave up offense to acquire defense mm-hmm. and you played good defense, but you gave up too much offense. Mm-hmm. And the reason you didn't perform to expectations is because you didn't score enough, even and even with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And Gabriel Moreno killing it in the postseason. And even with Dalton Varsho being a bottom 10 offensive everyday player. This season, I don't think Ross Atkins was in danger of being fired at the conclusion of Wednesday's game. I feel differently after watching Saturday take place and not just Saturday take place, but everybody around Major League Baseball. And I know there's some navel gazing here and like, you know, maybe I'm thinking that the media is of, of more import than it actually is. But the no. conver- the conversation around this team and Ross Atkins has been so strong. And so vitriolic. And I don't know if it's just from an optics standpoint. I, I think there's, uh, may I, I wouldn't say it's a good possibility because I don't think it's over 50%. But I think there is a possibility that on Thursday we have Mark Shapiro talking about the need for change in the front office and, and Ross Atkins being the guy that's thrown overboard. That's the way I am leaning. And I don't even know that that's
1: the choice they want to make, but public perception 1000% matters. You mentioned the cleanup job that that was supposed to be of trying to explain things and have a little bit of a better feeling heading into the off season. That was full-blown infomercial cleanup. We've all seen the thing of the guy carrying all his stuff out to wash the car and the hose gets tangled around his legs and he falls and the water goes in his face and he's soaking wet. That was that press conference. It should have been really easy. Should have walked out there, had some level of transparency as to how things played out. And I understand that they feel they did that. But if no one's buying it, I don't know that the transparency matters all that much. It is ridiculous. The other part of it as well, and, you know, we talked about the team-building aspect of it all. Yes, you want to be a good defensive team. Unless, you correct me if I'm wrong, no one's ever won a baseball game zero to negative one. So you still got to go yeah. out there and get some runs. And I understand Hey, that-
0: they scored one run in the two games against the Minnesota Twins. Well, then, can you win a series? If it's not a one-game wild-card series, can you win it scoring just one run?
1: No, I think no, that's impossible. That's you impossible. You can't
0: spread like a half a you run in each game. You no. can't.
1: They'd love to. if they, Oh, man, if they found a way, then they truly would have cracked the code. I We we have said it over again. I'll say it again here. I cannot recall a time in recent vintage in this city when it has been so vitriolic towards mm. a front office. There have been times where people have been unhappy, but this 1,000% disapproval rating is, is kind of what it feels
0: like. Well, it feels like, honestly, the early days of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins when they replaced <laughs> – alex Anthopoulos, who yes before they actually won some games in the back half of 2015 and then got all the way to american league championship series he was on the hot seat as well mm-hmm. i mean it was you know revisionist history is an interesting thing but go back to the beginning yes. of that 2015 season and the the way they started that season at 50 and 51 and remember the conversations around blue jays fans when it came to alex Anthopoulos and what he had done in his tenure but. He made all the trades at the deadline. The team went on this insane run. They were a team that was very capable of winning a World Series and was a couple of games away from from getting there. And for my money, the superior team from a talent perspective Mm -hmm. than the Kansas City Royals that they end up losing to in six games of the American League Championship Series. Immediately that offseason, it's Mark Shapiro's team. He becomes team president and Alex Anthopoulos, is offered a chance to remain on as general manager, and we don't know the actual specifics of the conversation that happened between Shapiro and Anthopolis, But you hear from enough people that you, you understand that there's, yeah, okay, he was offered a bunch of money, but money is one thing, respect, Man, and, and working environment have is we heard another. This recently, at all? Well, this is it. Mark Shapiro waves goodbye to the Canadian kid uh, who, you know, was. You want to talk about? Um Beloved. perception and engaging with the media and, and front facing and somebody that put on a, a, a positive face to uh, what was happening behind the scenes. Alex Anthopoulos that you wave goodbye to him to bring in a guy who started off, you know, you, th- you think Ross Atkins is is rough in front of a microphone. Now go back to the early days of him as Toronto blue Jays, general manager. You, you go to your former franchise, you acquire a guy that you know, well, that's going to execute your game plan, Mm -hmm. which is a big part of the conversation I want to have next. Yes. Um, And those early days were rough, especially considering, okay, you made the playoffs in 2016. That was a team clearly on the decline. And then there were some public comments about, hey, if it was up to me, I would have torn this thing to shreds (laughs) and we wouldn't have continued to compete. And you made it all the way to the American League Championship Series in 2016, 2017, less so. And then there was a quick rebuild. And then all of a sudden, I did feel like Atkins and Shapiro, all of that stain of the early... Uh, tenure negativity was washed away by the time that that young core was starting to realize its potential, made the playoffs in 2020. We're seemingly all the way back to 2017 with this group, that the fan base has been so put off what they've seen both during the regular season, but more specifically from a public relations standpoint, it, it is it is rough. I didn't think we'd get back there so quickly. I, and maybe that speaks to the fickleness of, of sports fans.
1: I know this isn't exactly where you're going with this, but I, I'd be I'd be dumbfounded if I didn't go here because this is where my mind's going is that think about how lucky the players should feel about this. I mean, Bo and Vladdy have never won a playoff game, and we were really mad about that in the aftermath. Since Saturday, I don't think anyone said a thing about a player. This pickoff at second base never even happened. Jose Barrios, I mean, obviously he's not to blame at all, but it's like, we didn't even talk about how good his start was somehow anymore. Kikuchi, don't wear a thing. Honest, I... Galaxy brain. Did I just walk myself into a spin zone that they took (laughs) all the pressure off of their young core by having such a disastrous performance at the microphone on Saturday? And that is why there is so much lead time to Thursday to try to see the way this plays out. Because Mm -hmm. honestly, if you were to write up a way to get rid of the pressure and the feeling of unsuccessful playoffs that is surrounding, let's be honest, those two guys specifically, I don't think you could do a better job of it. Yeah, and I
0: don't think that's what happened, but it did. Just I'd be lying if the galaxy brain thing didn't just happen, buddy. I don't think since Saturday <laughs> until this very moment yeah. because I you was even like, thought s- about it. <laughs> I was searching for it. I hadn't thought about the thing that was maybe the most frustrating thing I've ever seen in Major League Baseball, and that was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. getting picked off second base, representing the tying run with the best player at the plate in, in Game Two in, in the fifth inning. I hadn't thought about it because. All that's swimming around in my brain... Maybe he's the genius. Oh, (laughs) man, I hate that I did this. Is Ross Atkins throwing his manager under the bus (laughs) on Saturday? So this is the the, the, the point I I wanted to come around to. Because I mentioned, this is Mark Shapiro's team, and I do think he's... Boy, I would love for a question to be asked of him on Thursday about how involved in baseball operations decision-making he is. But I think from an optics perspective and and even if it goes beyond an optics perspective, like we know at least he's a part of the, the is, and maybe the, the major contributing factor to the stadium renovations and the business side of this baseball team. So that is, that protects him from criticism to some degree, mm-hmm. but here's probably the reality that it all flows down from him. And while he's, doing the, the business stuff and he's doing a great job with the renovations and that's that's on his plate mm-hmm. for sure, that nothing happens in baseball operations without Mark Shapiro's express written approval. <laughs> express written consent Major League Baseball is needed to whatever the thing is yeah. that gets robot voiced after a game. Exactly. that <laughs> nailed it. That's Mark Shapiro. <laughs> I hired. wish I had that off the top. <laughs> I God, I know. It would have sounded so, so good. good. Mark Shapiro was his hand-picked successor to Alex Anthopoulos. And if you Ross want... Ross Atkins, sorry. Sorry, was, what did yes, I say? You said Mark Shapiro. It'd be did, quite, he quite he the thing co- if pick himself. I have a genius. Yeah. His name is Mark. No, only Kyle Dubas does that, where he looks for a general manager. He's like, it's me. <laughs> me. <laughs> no. So he picks Ross Atkins, <laughs> a guy that he knew well from his time in Cleveland. And yeah, Ross Atkins, just like John Schneider, is able to come up with his own ideas. And he maybe... A, there's and, a brain in there. Dude, and maybe even has the final say on some baseball operations things. But it's Mark Shapiro running this thing. And if he's cast aside before Thursday, on Thursday, because it's an untenable situation, because of the relationships within that building who understand that there's our boss Mm -hmm. who took to a public forum and decided not to take any blame for the departure of our team from the postseason, put it squarely on one guy who's in... Well, just completed his first full season as a major league manager. And that's untenable just from a like an organizational mm-hmm. standpoint that, that the employees will, will not stand to have their boss be somebody that they loathe and, and, and can't trust to have their back with any decision making. All right. So he's gone. And in comes James Click, who's already in the organization, right. was the general manager of the Houston Astros a season ago. And I think there's a, probably a lot that, that James Click and Ross Atkins disagree on, and, and and maybe they don't have identical baseball philosophies. But again, who's the ultimate big brain at the very top? It is Mark Shapiro. How different do we expect it to be with a new general manager in place if, in fact, that ends up happening before Thursday on Thursday?
1: Well, and... I'm not saying that they have to be so transparent as to say, here's an example of an argument that Ross and James had about a potential way to go about building this baseball team. I'm not expecting them to be that forthright with it. But if there is somebody coming from within the organization... That is going to take the helm, and I think everyone expects, if that's the case, it would be James Click because of how he's viewed across the game, yada, yada, yada. I think there is, especially given the tenor of things surrounding this team, there is some explanation deserved to the fans of... Why this is different or even why the change was made, even Mm. if it is just that was bad messaging and we cannot stand by that. I think people need a rhyme or reason for why it would be different. I don't I don't know that it would be maybe again. There's a less truthful version than we get
0: like we got on on Saturday. But I think that that is what people would need to hear. Is it worth making a move like that just for optics' sake? Like, is it a good idea to 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 if you tr- if Mark Shapiro? How much do you believe in him? Well, that's, that's it. it. Like, if, if Ross Atkins actually thinks that, or if Mark Shapiro actually thinks that Ross Atkins is actually the best man for the job and his decision making, while it didn't work out this season, like he's an asset to to this Toronto yep. Blue Jays. Baseball team, but boy, when he steps in front of a microphone, it's not the first instance where he's put his foot in his mouth and team control. Yeah, and the Anthony Bass stuff yeah. like is ringing around in my head oh, too. Yeah, yeah somehow I forgot about that. Yeah, well, I know how. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that's happened since then. <laughs> Brent, is that is that enough of a reason? Because it like on it seems surface, right? It seems like again, if the Blue Jays are winning, who cares what the messaging is? You only care about it. When you're losing, I'm sure this team doesn't expect to be in the same situation Mm -hmm. next year. And Mark Shapiro would tell you our best chance to win next season is with Ross Atkins as the general manager. If you, in fact, truly believe that, is it worth casting a guy aside because he keeps screwing up in front mm-hmm. of a microphone.
1: I think the answer to that you kind of need two questions to know the answer to that. I think one you need to know how involved Mark Shapiro still is with baseball decisions and there are there's different types of baseball decisions, right? There is yeah, we're going to call a guy up, we're going to do this roster move versus Big picture, we're going to sign Bo Bichette to a lifetime contract. You know, these are very different decisions. I imagine Shapiro very involved in one of those, maybe less so in the other. But the degree to which he is involved day to day, I think that matters. Because if he is still somewhat involved or super involved, then I think that you can make a change for effectively PR reasons. And I think the other part of this as well is that if you think Ross Atkins is, you know, these are super un- Impossible to define numbers, but let's say you think Ross Atkins is 5% better at that job than James Click is. Is that enough to be worth the PR hit? Because personally for me, I don't think it is. Now, some people would say if he's 0.1% better, who cares what he says to people? I don't think that can carry weight now. I actually think it has gone too far. And quite honestly, I think in the year 2023, forget that. In the year 2005, these jobs stopped being about strictly what you were doing with trades or signings or whatever. It, this is all a part of it. So I think that though those questions answer your question.
0: Well, and the other part of it is if you... And I, I think the perception is still good around James Click, despite the fact that he was removed after a World Series title in Houston. If you're uh, a- we can't joke about that
1: here, though, because the leadoff
0: better. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're afraid of losing James Click. Um, that weighs into it as well, for sure. Like the Dodgers might have been about losing Alex Anthopoulos, who eventually found his way back into a general manager. Like if you're a good general manager and people believe in you, you're going to be in the, the hiring cycle Maybe as soon as somewhere else this offseason. If you're afraid of that happening with James Click, I wonder if that that weighs into the decision making. Uh, Thursday is going to be an interesting day in, in Blue Jays land. All right. Time now for the wake and rake. So we have hockey games to talk about, mm-hmm. Brent, A triple header of hockey action starting at 530 on Sportsnet. It starts with the Predators in Tampa to play the Lightning who do not have Andre Vasilevsky. And you know where that's reflected in the total at six and a half. And I think you're going to see a lot of these from the Lightning, at least until they establish that they can play some some mm-hmm. defense in front of a couple of goaltenders who make less than a million bucks and have mm-hmm. a combined 35 games of NHL experience <laughs> between the two of them. Six and a half is the total. Predators and Lightning and on the, the money line, the, the Lightning are the favorites at home uh, uh, against a, a Predators team that's not expected to do all that much this season.
1: Go under. The Lightning are going to be super locked in early on in the season in terms of we need to have a wall. It is basically going to look like the Hurricanes team that played in front of David Ayers. I am not as bullish as Tampa as I've been in years past, but there are still a lot of good bones. There still a ton of good players. So I actually like the idea of the under there. Preds can't score a lick anyways. Lightning have players that can Light it up, but I think those teams will be kind of dialed in early on in the season.
0: Uh, the middle game is the marquee game of the day. It has Connor Bedard in Pittsburgh to play the Penguins. Uh, total there again six and a half, and the uh, the Penguins are favored. They are minus two fifty favorites against a Blackhawks team that was awful, awful enough to win the draft lottery and the the chance to draft a uh, Connor Bedard, but also a revenge game for mm-hmm. the Penguins. We mentioned a game 81 of last season, kept the Pittsburgh Penguins from being into the postseason, And you can say they weren't going to do much if they got there. I mean, them missing the playoffs by a single point allowed the Panthers <laughs> into the postseason, got all the way to the Stanley cup Thanks. final. Thanks for that. Um, yeah. So uh, Blackhawks paying big money as the underdogs in Connor Bedard's first ever game. They are, almost plus 200. I don't have a lean on that game, but I
1: do think it's interesting that Connor Bedard is plus 150 to score last night. That's like Austin Matthews numbers uh, in terms of what you were getting. Now, when Matthews on a heater, it does get to minus sometimes, which is ridiculous, but that's the level of respect he's already getting. The only guy with shorter odds, to the only two guys with shorter odds to score in that game are Gunsel and Crosby. So kind of shows you the respect he's already getting.
0: Yeah, and rightly so. I mean, what's a more fun bet than than Connor Bedard to, to, to score? There's tonight? not a more fun one. Nope, uh, definitely not under in Preds lightning. <laughs> definitely not that. <laughs> uh, the Golden Knights, fresh off uh, appearing at uh, Monday can night I football, can I bet on them being hungover? Dude, that's, that's what I would like. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that. So they're they're hosting the Seattle Kraken on celebration night, and I guess they're all gonna get their their rings and they're gonna raise the the banner to the rafters mm-hmm. pregame. Uh, the total there a half point or a half goal less at 6. Um, the Golden Knights are also minus 175 to win the game against a pretty good Seattle mm-hmm. Kraken team. I might be looking at the Kraken as as underdogs in this game considering all the pop and circumstance, considering all the media obligations that the Golden Knights have had to go yep. through, and Jack Eichel was mm-hmm. part of the broadcast on ESPN yesterday as well, and and maybe a celebration like we know they were all together at the football game. You telling me they didn't share a couple of bevies? I would imagine they would
1: have, maybe even out of uh, Lord Lord Stanley's mug there. And yeah, I'm sure the people of Buffalo just loved watching that uh, on their on their Monday nighter. Uh, that that is, uh, I I'm with you there. Maybe lean Kraken. A couple other numbers I did want to throw at you. So obviously Cup favorites, futures, Hurricanes, Abs. They're the shortest odds uh, plus. 900. A couple I like. Kings at plus 2,000. Rangers at plus 2,000. They're a little ways down the pack. I could see the path. I don't necessarily expect either of them to win, but in terms of value there, uh, this one I just thought was hilarious. The over-under on Marner points for the season, 99.5. Of course. If he finishes with 99 points again, (laughs) uh, obviously I would love nothing more than him to have 150 points, but a piece of me would laugh. And uh, Connor Bedard, over-under points, 69.5. That's what they've got him for at the uh, beginning of the season. Man,
0: it's hard to take an under on any Connor really Bedard. And it's no fun. Prop right now. And it's yeah. no fun.
1: No. Uh, also, I love the guy in the text line. Shout out to you who said he watches Bedard in secret from his family because he doesn't want his kids <laughs> getting enticed. Love that. <laughs> that's a good call.
0: Uh, I don't know if I can keep my kid away from the TV tonight. It's, it's a siren song, baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Monday night football uh, matchup not exactly enticing. Yesterday in Las Vegas. But New England burning is. Yeah, that's intriguing. Uh, Brock Purdy rising up the ranks as far as MVP odds are concerned. Peter King actually has him as his favorite to win it. He's got the fifth best odds. We'll talk to Peter King of NBC Sports and Football Morning in America next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.